Welcome back. You're listening to another episode of keepthechange.co.nz's Money Mail. Sweet but a psycho. I'm sure you know somebody like that. Perhaps some politicians. Oh, stop it, Luke. You did not. You did not just say that. Fresh off of the back of recording the webinar of the year. If you didn't check it out, you're going to need to. You're going to need to go cop that replay. You're going to need to take some action as well. You're going to need to tell us what action you did take. Two ticks you. The webinar from KTC of the year last night was great to have a good 215-ish people logged on. Probably a little bit more than that, actually. Uh, Hundreds of people have already watched a replay this morning. I poured a shit ton of hours into putting that together, uh, to be honest. And it didn't go the way I wanted it to. I had some fucking technical difficulties. Um, I could have included some different examples that I thought of after, but that is uh, that is how I roll. I try and take action, not perfection, and provide value and do things that are actually going to help. Now, if I wanted that to be perfect and to be done by a graphic designer and shit, it wouldn't have got done. It also got done on the last day of August because on the 1st of September, I fly out to Singapore tonight, and that is today at midnight, so I'm getting through a shit ton of work before I go, so that when I go on my break, I can switch off, this is the terminology some will use, but I can't do that, I don't think, so I'm not going to fucking switch off, I think you can probably tell I'm not that sort of person, but I can rest, recover, re-energize, come back, and keep thumping, um, because I knew that if I waited till after I got back, like I said to you in a couple of money mails ago, to do that webinar, I would probably add more to it and do stuff but uh, you know it would just be on my mind whilst I was away and I'd be getting excited and I'd still be trying to get everyone else excited about it and I'm like you know what just give myself a shorter deadline and get it done and sometimes I like to do those things and then be able to tell you about them on the other side or, or hope that you can kind of see what can be done and actually someone sent me a really cool message today where they basically said your sheer hustle and grind is inspiring I put my pod down to do work Luke's out of my ears Luke sends the next money mail if you follow keep the change you can't not be successful and look I'm not going to be able to always be able to keep delivering at that sort of pace these times where I'm not doing heaps of stuff for KTC these times I've got to be doing other things in different areas of my life and prioritizing those Uh, but whilst I have that time I try and squeeze it and that's something that I think we can each do individually in our life. And for you, it might not be putting out content and helping people. You might just be at the stage of helping yourself and trying to figure out how can you get your pay rise or get a bit of extra income coming in or tell the banks that they're fucking not going to charge you as high interest rate as what they propose to, that sort of thing. So we're each on our own different journey. But uh, we've talked about that a number of times. And bear in mind that I do need to get out of here, get to the airport and get to Singapore and have some rejuvenation time. I need to rip through this week's money mail. You won't hear from me next Friday on the pod because I'm away for two weeks. So I'll still write to you. I'll probably do that. No, I won't do that on the plane because I'm probably not going to write between 12 midnight and 6 a.m. But I'll do that over this next week at some stage. And you'll get something on Friday in the written version as you always do. Um, And it'll probably be themed about the webinar and just some things that I learn in the week after doing that webinar last night and some examples for those people who didn't tune in that they can maybe go, shit, maybe I should go and listen to this. Uh, And then maybe I'll share some lessons as well as I go when I come back with Mikey around things that I see in Singapore, Bali, and then Sydney too. So look after yourselves. Uh, We'll touch on that before we go anyway. But 
um, I'll still write to you, but I won't be able to do these money mails, but there's still our podcast backed up. I've got two coming with Josh Ryan. You'll see two with Linda Moore, who's a money mentalist. So I've been going fucking hard uh, this week to get everything in order so that you can almost keep watching and consuming and not even know that I'm out of the country. Um, and that's uh, not an easy thing to do, but also I went, and went on somebody else's podcast today too. But it just always amazes me how much shit you can actually do in a week if you know your calendar well, if you've got a bit more control of your time, and if you can jam it in, and if you can work it at different hours. Um, but anyway, let's get into this week. So we're going back to some basics, some accounting, the ABCs of depreciation. And I know this one's like a little bit boring for some people, but I have had some good feedback with people who are like, wow, you know, this one, I really like this one. So it's always interesting to see the content that resonates with people, but this is some real accounting and tax type stuff, but I think it's also important because it's actually got a real practical use. So let's go, the ABCs of depreciation. There's been a bit of talk recently about depreciation on commercial buildings. This is because two of the major political parties will remove this as a tax-deductible expense after the election. When you own a commercial building and lease it out, it's a form of business activity. So I'm sitting in an office right now. I do not own this office. We pay a lease to be in here. The landlord collects that lease. They can depreciate this building, and you'll understand in a second what that means. But soon after the election, and once the laws change, they won't be able to do that. So the landlord here will have to declare the income, so the lease that we pay, plus all the other tenants. And they can claim expenses incurred in operating the premises, like um, repairs, some administration, they might have a, a rental manager, uh, all those sorts of things, some, some putting some security in, all of the things that they incur to run this building, they will be expenses. So they have their lease income that we're paying and then less the expenses and then that equals their profit and that's what they pay tax on. They might have interest, obviously like I said before, on a mortgage to, to run this building and that's tax deductible and then also depreciation at the moment. So the lease, uh, lease expenses to claiming higher profits and therefore higher taxes for commercial landlords. So say they didn't have a mortgage on this, there'd be no interest expense. Now they can't, or soon they won't be able to claim the depreciation expense, that means that there's less expenses. So then higher profits equal higher taxes that they have to pay. So you're probably thinking, well mate, what is depreciation anyway? Now here's some accounting 101. Depreciation refers to the decrease in value or worth of an asset over time due to the likes of wear and tear, obsolescence or changes in market conditions. Depreciation allows for the cost of the asset to be written off over its useful life. So basically, let's put that simply, depreciation reflects the decrease in value of an asset over time. So what we're trying to do is figure out, say with this building, like how long is the useful life? Okay, so by the end of that useful life, it's probably not going to be worth anything. And that's what depreciation is reflecting for any sort of asset. Now the thing that you probably hear is, as soon as you drive a vehicle off the fucking lot, it loses 30% of its value. And that's probably the most that you've learned about depreciation. Now part of that is because that vehicle was never worth what they sold it to you for, that's where that principle sort of comes from and that teaching comes from, from what I've learnt uh, and then also partly the depreciation piece too, because now that it's had an owner people are like, oh it's had an owner, you know oh, it's not worth as much as it, as it uh, was two days ago, but really it's the exact same vehicle, but people's perception is that it doesn't have the same value so assets that have been owned, like naturally we'll look at them and we'll go, oh it's been owned, it's not worth as much as brand new, that's what we do right with anything, so Really, it could be brand new, but we're probably not going to pay the brand new price because we feel like the value has depreciated in some way. Now, each 
asset depreciates at different rates or percentages. Some people think that the purchase price of an asset is tax deductible, but this is not the case. The depreciation expense is. So clients will often say to us, especially around the end of the financial year, they'll say, oh, I brought this asset. And it's usually a car. I brought a car because that's, uh, that's going to bring my tax bill down. Well, not quite. The depreciation, if allowed, on that asset is the expense that brings the profit down and saves them some tax. So what that means is basically... Say they did get a vehicle and they brought it on the 20th of March and they think, well, I brought it in this financial year and it cost me 50 grand, then I'm going to be able to decrease my taxes because I've got 50 grand worth of expenses, but that's not right. Let's say that vehicle, they can claim the depreciation on it because it's purely used for the business. Well, there'd only be 11 days of depreciation. The 20th, the 21st through to the 31st, that might even be 12 days. Fuck, who's the accountant here? Anyway... They're not claiming the entire year's depreciation because they haven't owned it for the entire year. But in the next financial year, they will claim a large portion because they own it. Um, and depending on what sort of vehicle it is, it'll, it'll depreciate at a different rate, up to say like 30% of the value. So they might have 15 grand worth of depreciation on that $50,000 vehicle, which would be an expense, the $15,000. So uh, using round numbers there, and that's not accounting advice nor telling you that that's what the exact rates are. But you get the concept. So for some accounting 201, in New Zealand at the moment for tax purposes in business, people look at an asset as something that costs over $1,000 because we have what is called a low value asset threshold. This low value asset threshold is $1,000 means that if a business buys an asset that is under this, it can claim it as a 100% tax deductible expense. So Middly these days, there are not too many assets that are below um, you know, a thousand bucks in value. So that rate, I actually thought the politicians may, in their tax policy, say, here's what we're going to do in business. We're going to change that to $5,000, for instance, to encourage people to go out and buy new equipment and technology and stuff, but nothing. In fact, uh, excuse me, there were nothing in either of the tax policies for business owners or to encourage investment into staff, employees, into technology. Bizarre. Bizarre. Obviously, I'm going to look at those things from a biased lens and go, what are we trying to encourage spend on for business owners? From what I saw, absolutely fucking nothing, which is strange. You know, I thought there might be a, um, right, we're going to move that low asset value threshold to five grand. So if you wanted to kit out your office with a big screen and a nice new pieces of equipment and computer, faster one than the current shit one you've got, that's going to be 100% tax deductible. But no, that's actually probably going to end up being an asset and the asset's going to depreciate and the depreciation is going to be the expense. That expense brings your profit down. That is then what you pay tax on. So say you could buy a $5,000 MacBook and then a screen and stuff and you spent fifteen grand on great equipment. I thought that we might be able to then um, claim that entire $15,000 as a tax deductible expense. You'd be paying tax on less uh, profits. But Looks like we need every tax dollar that we can get. So there's nothing too much in there for the business owners to get excited about. When I went through Nationals' Ripper tax plan uh, and Labor's was pretty vague at the moment, so I'd say they've probably got still some things to come out. But let's say, you know, you, you set up an office and you buy a, t- a couch and it's under $1,000. You get the TV for the wall. Um, you might get a phone that is a Samsung or something that's less than than uh, $1,000, you might get a camera so that you can start doing some content and recording a podcast, and that's less than $1,000. Because it's less than $1,000, you'd be able to claim the entire cost of that as a tax-deductible expense. So all of that might add up to, say, four grand. And say you only had ten grand worth of income, but you had four grand worth of tax-deductible expenses, you'd pay tax on the $6,000. Now, if all of those assets were over $1,000, you wouldn't be able to claim the entire cost. You would only be able to claim the depreciation 
on them. So there's a little bit of a, a nuance in there. Now that rate used to only be $500, but now it's $1,000. So as you know from the above, each asset depreciates at a different rate or percentage. During the financial year, this depreciation amount is an expense to the business, not the cost of the iPad, the computer, the iPhone, etc. You know, all of those things would be above 1000 bucks. So back to our landlords. For the last couple of years, commercial landlords have been able to claim depreciation on their buildings. But there is a proposal to remove this. I can hear some of you saying, well, what about the private buildings like rental properties? Because you don't own a commercial building, so why don't we want to learn about this shit? Well, there is no available claim on residential buildings for private landlords anymore. There once was, though, from April 2011, the 1st of April 2011, the rules do not allow for a claim of depreciation on buildings with an estimated life of 50 years or more, i.e. most standard rental properties, because you would expect that they will last longer than 50 years. However, some landlords are pretty cheeky and pretty smart, and they'll value their chattels and depreciate them as standalone assets, i.e. things like air conditioning units, new carpets, dishwashers, lawnmowers, blinds, you get the drift. Especially in a new build, they might strip out on uh, paper all of the chattels and say, well, we're going to depreciate those, here's a list of all of those. And then on a rental, current rental, that you've been renting out for some time, say, you might have some things that you need to repair, and you can probably claim those repairs, but if you're improving or doing things of a capital nature, I think is the terminology, it may not be an expense, it may be an asset, and you have to depreciate that asset. So there is a little bit of depreciation to be claimed for rental properties, but Back in the day, they used to be able to claim a percentage of the value of the home as depreciation, which would bring their rental profits down and therefore the taxes that they paid. Honestly, when you start going back through the rules of rental properties, you realize, holy shit, that asset class, you can see why so many people got rental properties because the tax rules were just massively encouraging people to do that shit. And if you had losses, then those losses could offset your PAYE income and so then you would get the refund on your PAY income and you would use that to do a repair, get that repair to your rental property, which would be an expense again, but would actually improve the value. And then one day you go and sell it, you get a tax-free capital gain and you're just like, why the fuck would anybody not do this? But as we've gone over this last sort of um, 10 and 15 years, probably 20 years, these rules have slowly changed and changed the game in some considerable way. But obviously we've had a devaluation in the dollar because we keep printing more so the purchasing power decreases and people store their money in properties and people think that they've made these life-changing decisions of timing the market perfectly when really they are just buying into an inflation hedge in some way, shape or form. But again, we've done podcasts on those. You might want to go and listen to the Please Understand Inflation more to dig into something like that or go back and understand how the interest deductibility rates have changed for rental properties too because that's been one of the largest changes recently. So uh, the depreciation on these chattels creates an on-paper expense which decreases the profits from rental income and therefore tax to pay. Remember, income... Less expenses equals profit. Profit is what you pay tax on. Now for a quick bit of accounting 301. Understand this. When you claim claim depreciation on an ex, uh, as an expense in a financial period, you reflect the value of the asset decreasing. The asset has then what's called a carrying book value, which is the purchase price less the total depreciation. So let's say our $50,000 vehicle, 15 grand worth of depreciation, let's just say, Therefore, on paper, it's now worth thirty-five grand at the end of the the month, uh, the end of the year. So that's the carrying book v- value of thirty-five k. So if you eventually sell the asset for more than the asset's book value, you will have what is called depreciation recovered. 
Depreciation recovered as a form of income and reflects the fact that you claim too much depreciation. This will be the sale price less the book value. So now, a year later, our book value of our of our vehicles, 35k in business, and we're like, fuck this, I'm selling this thing, I'm upgrading, and we sell it for $40,000. Well, it's only worth 35 grand in the books, but we sold it for 40. So what's that five grand different? difference oh that's depreciation recovered that is a form of income that's going to increase our profits and therefore increase the taxes that we have to pay because realistically the IRD let us claim a portion of depreciation however we claimed too much because the value of the vehicle didn't actually go down that fast the market is the market is the market eventually told us no 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 you you think it's worth 35k on paper but really it's worth 40k because that's what the market's willing to pay for it so you've got to reflect a $5000 piece of income that is depreciation recovered. Now most people at that stage would then, as humans do, buy a flash of vehicle for instance um, and then the depreciation on that would sometimes counter the depreciation recovered because they're depreciating a more expensive vehicle at this stage. But it is a good thing for you to understand and to know. So righto, from all of the this that we've just spoken about, you should now be able to go and take a uni lecture on depreciation next week. So if any of the lecturers are striking in the accounting field around the country, you can put your hand up and say, look, I'll come and teach you about depreciation because you've just learned a shitload. And honestly, that what you've just learned there, people will be learning at university and people will be learning to become a chartered accountant. And here you are dialing in, listening and understanding exactly what's going on here with real practical examples as well. So in all seriousness, uh, you may not feel like depreciation the depreciation is applicable to you right now but it's good to have a good grasp on it and what it is and how it works. Hopefully that helped you to do exactly that. You're part of over 8,350 recipients. Do you know someone that you can share this with, share the webinar with, share a podcast with, share a reel on your story? That's how we're going to get this content in front of even more people. Now in August the downloads for the podcast and listeners weren't as high as July but both have equal amount of days, 31 days in August and July. So that's okay. We're not freaking out. It's just a bit of a plateau, isn't it? But um, you know, if we can get more people seeing this content, then perhaps they'll listen to the podcasts that are going to help them. Hopefully they take action and learn things, and that will be exceptional. Uh, did you know for this week is a commercial building depreciates at 1.5% to 2% per annum i.e. a $1 million building may have a $20,000 depreciation expense for a full 12-month financial year. Now, I have seen a commercial building recently that's, say, worth $10 million, so the depreciation expense on that is $200,000. Now, say that landlord of that building is in the top tax bracket, they would be paying tax at 39% on those profits. Now, a $200,000 expense in depreciation is going to save them 39 times 2, $78,000 worth of tax that they have to pay. Does that make sense? Because the depreciation is $200,000 and that's an on-paper expense, so it brings their profit down. And let's say all those profits end up with that landlord, just for argument's sake, and they're in that top tax bracket because they've got other forms of income. Well, that's going to save them seventy-eight grand worth of tax. Now, the rules are going to change and business owners aren't going to be able to claim this depreciation. So what that means is that they won't have $200,000 worth of depreciation expense. So their profits will be higher and if all of those profits go to the shareholder 
of that building, and that's the way it's accounted for, there's 78 grand worth of tax that they need to pay that they haven't had to pay in the last financial year and even the financial year before. So you can see how on big commercial buildings, which when you start to look around a city, even a town, you're like, fuck, there are actually a lot of commercial buildings around here. Whoa, okay, if none of them can claim depreciation, that's going to mean way higher profits for these landlords and therefore higher taxes. And that is part of what both parties, Labour and National, are going to use to rebalance their own budget to say, well, you can pay a bit more over there and then we can take the GST off fruit and veggies uh, or whatever it is that National are looking to do to help the squeezed middle, I think is what they've termed uh, a lot of people. So hopefully that has been insightful for you. There's some really grunty accounting and tax there for you but I've tried to make it as simple as possible. I'm sure you would have learned something. Like I said before, I'll see you in a couple of weeks with no doubt some stories from my travels. Take care of yourselves. Take care of one another. I'm gone for two weeks of this next six weeks leading up to this election, so I get to get out of the New Zealand uh, psycho bubble that we're in a little bit at the moment as these politicians drive up more attention and awareness and division between all of us so that we make sure when we get out and vote on the 14th of October. Make sure you don't lose your head to too much of that stuff. Focus on the things that you can control. Check out the Two Ticks You webinar. I guarantee there'll be something in there that will help you in your life. It might even increase the amount of money you make, the amount of money you can save, or the way that you control the character that is you as you write your own story. Be good, and I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Oh, she's sweet but a psycho, a little bit psycho. At night she's screaming, I'm on my mind, I'm on my mind. Oh, she's hot but a psycho, so left but she's right though. At night she's screaming, I'm on my mind, I'm on my mind. She'll make you curse.